With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Don't, no, 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 turn it off. Don't tempt fate. Don't tempt fate. Turn it off. Turn it off. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Mate, the grind never ends. Never, never. Welcome back to the Gunner Podcast. A light-hearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend. Bradley Adams and just uh, just to let it ring out North London forever whatever the weather the streets are our own bit high mate it is a fucking banger I do you know what I was very much against it. I I thought it I thought it was a bit cringy. I didn't think it would work. But when the lads were huddling and that was ringing around the stadium, yeah. I got so fucking pumped. It's a bit. It's a bit. You'll never walk alone, which I love. Like it. I I, I really like it. I, I I love anything that kind of ties people together. I mean, ultimately, ooh, bash my mic. Football. There's a thing in psychology called sublimation, right? Where emotions that are unacceptable or too difficult to deal with get channeled into something so a a stupid example is like you have a stressful day at work you come home and you kick your dog right but i think football is something that people can channel so much emotion into and get so much out that moments like this actually people might think i was a bit cringe or whatever but actually Mm. people really want it and that's why it works and it's a fucking tune it's a fucking tune. As much as probably before the game, people will go, oh, I don't want to sing, don't want to sing. You get in there, you get the crowd, you get the energy, and you think, here we go. And it, I love it. I really love it. And if it, if it sticks, and if it's uh, something we sing for every home game, I think it's it just ties people together. And this is something Mikel has, has been pushing so much in conferences and so much in everything he says, every fan media, every time he talks, every time he talks to the press. He says he wants the fan connection to be improved and he's working on it. So that that is clearly something he wants to do. And mate, it it adds something. Virgil van Dijk has not lost a game at Anfield. Now Virgil van Dijk is a very very good player, but there's a reason Anfield is is, is like it is. Uh, you the thing with soft factors is an individual soft yeah. factor is a soft factor. It's it's it doesn't really account for much, you know, someone someone had a bad night's sleep the night before. Okay, well you probably be all right, right? But when there's 150, 200 soft factors, they all added together really matter. And things like this, they, they can they can really make a difference. And they're all these 0.1, uh, advantages in situations. And if you're looking for them on the pitch in terms of tactically and in terms of how you're coaching the team and how you're approaching the game, you should look for them in as many places as you can. And I'm not saying that Louis's song is going to, you know, winners the title but it does bring people together and that brings something to the team and it's also about you a lot of football is about um 
making the opposition, especially when you're at home, feel something. That's why we talk about the 12th man so much. That's why it's so important to get behind the lads and back them. Because the reason that Anfield is is the the cauldron that it is, is the fans are about six feet away from the pitch. That front row is about five, six feet away from the pitch. Uh, and you, you get 60,000 people coming in unison, singing the same song. And that is all the opposition fans can hear. It just creates an element of doubt, just the slightest one, two percent of doubt. And if you hark back to that Barcelona game, that two percent became 10 percent when they scored the first and then 20 percent when they scored the second and then 80 percent when they scored the third and then Barca were out. And it's and that's the and I think that's a major reason that City uh, struggle so much in in pressure filled moments like that is that. It's it's not the same atmosphere there for whatever reason, and they there's not the same connection built up there, and it's so important. And like you say, to give yourself what we've become amazing at is every single minute detail, every single soft factor, scoring from corners, scoring from set like every uh, the the dark arts every little incremental thing that can give you a 5 to 10 point gain across the course of a season we're switching in our favor now which is something we've needed to do for about a decade and it's it's phenomenal that we're seeing it we haven't conceded from a corner this season we i have. don't count that Southampton one because we, it, we conceded no, yesterday the, no the leads the leads. one doesn't count we oh fuck no we did concede it yesterday sorry you're right and fuck. to be fair one thing that's good to say and i saw uh somebody tweet this was i'm really happy now we've conceded from a corner in a non-narrative driven way you know that's out of the yeah, way yeah. now it's still a phenomenal stat that we faced like 190 or 195 or whatever is corners and only conceded one goal but now yeah. that that one is out of the way, the narrative is out the window because what I would hate to happen is we lose top four or, you know, something stupid. We lose to Tottenham to a corner goal and then it will be fucking everywhere in Sky Sports and I'm Christ. With, I'm with you. Yeah, but you're right. You're right, though, that, that every single and that's and that comes out of process. Every single small detail that we can get right has has been addressed or has been is being addressed and this sort of brings me on to my word of the game which is overachieving i just want to read out to you the squad or a number of players in this squad and remember this squad are one point behind third chelsea who spent who spent uh two-thirds of our summer budget on one player that that has that has started 15 premier league games this season for for context like and and there's another side to this that we spent a lot of money, but the but the players we have spent a lot of money on are starting and we needed a whole squad rebuild. Let me just read a couple of these players out. Cedric Suarez, El Nenny, Enketia, Tavares, Ulad Umhand, Swanson, Patino, Sambi Laconga, Pepe, Lacazette, Leno even. I'm not shitting on these players. I'm not saying that ter- all of them are terrible players. Some of them just youth players that are involved in the squ- in the in the first team squad. Some of them like like El Nenny played like a prime Busquets yesterday. I'm not I'm not co- particularly commenting on the quality of the players as such in terms of uh, as individuals. But as a group, it's incredible that we're challenging for top four mm-hmm. with this type with this with this group of players. This group of players is not a pub team. Uh, you know, and I won't have it said that they're some shit mid table side. But we are overachieving. 
And that mm. says to me that the process with, with this group of players, and that says to me that the processes are good. It says to me exactly what you just said, that the, 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 the fine details are being ironed out. And when we come onto the game a bit more, the principles and the fundamentals are really starting to show. They're really starting to be automations. You know, um, Arteta, of course, is always going to be shouting and ranting and raving at his team, but it feels less he's now micromanaging and more managing the game and managing the right, come on, boys, mm-hmm. let's push forward, right, come on, rather than stand there, stand there, stand there. So I feel really positive. And, and, and I just, I have to say, you know, before we get into the kind of analysis of the game, I look at that team and I think it's incredible that that team is competing. It's incredible. And I think we'll look back in, say, three, four years' time, and we, in the same way we... Uh, I, I appreciate this comparison's kind of dead and buried now, but the Klopp, you know, first time he got into top four, the sort of the, the team that he had around then, I think his was possibly even better. Actually, I'm going to look that up. You go, and I'll look that up, what he had. Um, I think that there's, there's an important thing to notice as well, and that is recency bias around a lot of players. Um, whilst I think that, you know, El Elneny, Enketia, all of these players are coming in and doing a phenomenal job. We have to look at the baseline of what they've offered us over the last five years for El Elneny. They're performing at the peak of their powers and that has come at the perfect time and is absolutely vital. But it is an overachievement because, listen, Eddie Enketia has come in and done a Joe Willock for us and that is phenomenal but he's not good enough to start for a team chasing top four in a, in what would be a, a proper qualitative season. If we're talking about a qualitative season where Leicester, for example, who have finished like two points outside of the top four in the last two seasons, they're now sat in 14th. If they're performing at the peak of their powers, if United are actually performing in the way that they have, you know, they were second last year, we could still eclipse their points tally that got them second last year this season, but still they were second last season. Uh, Chelsea, for example, have had a massive drop off, a lot to do with the soft factors of, of the new ownership and the doubts that that creates and the uh, they've got a lot of players leaving. But in a proper qualitative season, these players aren't good enough, but they are getting us over the line when it important, when it, when it matters most, which is now. And that is why this is an overachievement. Cedric shouldn't be anywhere near the starting lineup for Arsenal. El Nenny shouldn't be anywhere near the starting lineup for Arsenal. Ed- Eddie Nketiah shouldn't be, which should probably be a third choice option for Arsenal, you know. And these players are coming in with, and it's an, it's an important comparison to make, with absolute bollocks and doing the, doing it. When we look at players like Pepe who come on £72 million and can't look fucking arsed. These players are all leaving in the summer, probably. Two of them on freeze, hopefully. I don't think we should re-up either of them. And they're coming in and they're laying their blood, their heart and their soul on the carpet. 90 minutes, every single opportunity that they get. And that makes me proud beyond belief. You know, I, I and, and so grateful to these absolute utter professionals of the game that not for one moment have they let their standards slip yep and it shows good management you, you you're so right and it's and, and credit to those players but it also shows good management it shows that those players are being motivated those players are being correctly uh, coached to 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 be able to execute and to be able to to look the way they do i mean we'll come on to on Lenny's performance but yesterday i thought he was absolutely incredible and personally i would give him a new contract but there you go um and yeah, mate, look- mate mate for example we only earned 28 points at the emirates last season 
We've already earned 38. Only City and Liverpool have earned more on home soil this season. You're, and you're talking about a team that has Cedric at right back. You know, a player that, okay, he, he can hit the ball with both feet, but just not very well. Uh, El Nenny at central midfielder who has been clowned by this fan base for years for being a sideways and backwards merchant. Enketia, who had had something like maybe 90 minutes of Premier League football up until the point that Lacazette had COVID, you know, had sub appearances here and there. And they're coming on and they're leading the charge for us to qualify for the Champions League. Phenomenal management, phenomenal professionals. So proud of them. Yep. Yep. And and looking at that Liverpool team that they had, I, I chose a game from the, the season they finished fourth on around the same time of the year, about around May of that year, which was May 2017. Um, and it's a similar kind of story to where we're at. You know, they've still got Firmino and and and, and uh, Matip and Milner around, but they've got Origi up front and Wijnaldum in the midfield, um, obviously who was kind of part of that that team. But they've still got Klein, they've still got Lovren, they've still got Emery Chan. So they're kind of they were kind of in a similar position to us. And you know the credit that came their way, I think, should come our way because because yeah, I um I echo what you say. I feel very proud and um very um very positive, very very positive. What's your word of the game? My word of the game is killer, and uh, that is for a few reasons. Uh, I think that. To get the only negative of the game out of the way, we managed that game poorly. Only Arsenal could be two goals up, 10 minutes in, player gets sent off, and we make it a tough day for us. And I think because of the the, the youth element and because of the lack of experience of being in these types of situations, we need to develop that killer instinct. We need to be lethal. What we should have done is gone blaze of glory, hail Mary, kitchen sink at the goal, score the third, get Saka off, get Eddie off and get Martinelli off, rest them for Spurs and shut up shop come 60 minutes. And we, we farted about for about 45 minutes. We were playing like nice football, passing the ball. Okay. But we just weren't being incisive enough, lethal enough. We thought the job was done. And as, as Leeds showed one opportunity one, you know, lack of concentration from whoever's meant to be picking up the back post, not going with the marker, uh, going with the runner, sorry. And, uh, you know, it, it became a much more tetchy game. And that is the next progression of the side to add killers, to add a killer up front, to, to develop those killers on the wings and to keep progressing forward when it comes to moments like this, because it's moments like this that that if, you know, there's a header in the, the last, it's pretty much the last kick of the game that if Rodrigo gets a slightly better head on it, it's a completely different story. And I know it's a bit, if my grandmother had wheels, but it's important to note that it hasn't bitten us this time. We can't allow the situation to arise again, so it can never bite us. You know, if a dog, if, if a dog snaps at you, you don't start stroking it again. You know, you've been told, we've been warned. It's now the opportunity to understand that in these moments and in these times, whether they've got 10 minutes or not, we need to absolutely put the foot on the gas, go up to third, fourth gear, kill them off. 
That's exactly what City did against Newcastle. They put four goals past them in 50 minutes and then they played the rest of the game in second gear. And that allows you to reserve those that energy and keep those energy, energy levels up. And that's exactly what we needed to do and it's what we didn't do. But the the kind of other side of the 50p piece is the killer performance from Eddie Nketiah, which I think is really important to discuss because the man after, you know, it looked like we were shoo-ins for the top four, even though we're Arsenal, whenever we could be 20 points ahead and we'd still find a way to make it interesting. We just lost to three sides who we really should have done better against. And we've brought in this guy who has stormed in and absolutely fucking killed it in the last few games. And what props to him to go from playing barely any football, sub minutes on the left wing, a couple of times through the middle to coming on, leading the line for Arsenal. Only Gabri- Since his first start, only Gabriel Jesus and Cristiano Ronaldo has more goals than him in the Premier League with five and six, respectively. Like unbelievable form and, and set of performances coming up to the end of the season. It's funny how quickly things change in football on Eddie. Like you said earlier, get Saka off, get Eddie off. <laughs> I just think, you know, imagine even hearing that a month ago. It's crazy how, th- how quickly things change. Um, yeah, I think what you're saying is slightly narrative-driven. Um, I think it's e- it's a lot easier said than done. And when I look at the game, I'm looking at a very... Once the red card happens, I'm looking at a very compact Leeds team. I agree there was probably a, a let-off slightly, but I think I felt like we had them where we wanted them and the game kind of um, got away from us a little bit. But... but but again, that's slightly narrative driven because I, I think actually that doesn't give Leeds the credit they deserve on the pitch. I thought they dug in, they got compact, they stopped giving the ball away. They started finding some more outlets. They started pressing a little bit higher at the pitch to, top, to stop us um, sitting so deep in their final third. Um, Furpo started to find his feet against Saka. I thought he was, get, he was getting an absolute rinse for half an hour and then he managed to sort of um, hold it together at least, if not thrive. Um I don't know. I I th- I think there's more for me. There's more credit for Leeds in this. However, I do agree that th- in another next season we have to find a couple of players or another gear where that type of game is is the City game against Newcastle yesterday, where it's just because it's it doesn't happen it's, to City. City don't have well, but, the problems but, of you know. But but we aren't. But we're not City in terms of. We no, I know. But that's why I'm saying the, that's yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the development phase of this team. Yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. I just I I find it difficult to. To fight to use that as a stick for this team, if that makes sense. If we were a couple of years down the line, I think I'd, I'd feel the same. But um, oh yeah, I, I listen, I'm not trying to face. beat them with it. I'm not trying to beat them with it. I'm not trying to bash them. I think that if that's literally the only negative that you can take from the game is that we didn't perform like Man City and just kill them off. That's not like that's not exactly a horrible stick to be beaten with. They're not one of the, you know the one of the best two teams in the world. You know, so it's like me being um, annoyed I didn't play five aside like Messi this morning. It's like, well, yeah, I exactly. am not Messi. It's... So. <laughs> <laughs> um, this might be uh, what Anglo- Anglophile. No, that's somebody who loves England. What's the reverse of Anglophile? I don't know. Anglophobic, American phobic. I just can't take Jesse March seriously. I think it's because I watched Ted Lasso. We got to play to win. We're gonna. We're. It's a hard team. We're gonna get. We're gonna get the ball. We're gonna shoot. We're gonna score. It's gonna be huge. I'm sure, he, uh, and no disrespect to him, and no disrespect to any American listeners, because it's definitely my bias, 100%. It's yeah. definitely me having grown up listening to English commentary, but there's just something so funny about it. I don't know why. 
It's 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 on me. Uh, it's, it's on me. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, him. It's, it's, well, it's because you've not heard it before. It's the yeah. same as anything. No, so true. The first time you start to hear anything, and the first time you start to um, process it and adjust to it, there's always a period where it, it seems it seems strange. You know, I, I'm yeah. the same. I'm the same with him. Like I I do try and listen to everything that he he like the insights in in post match commentary after we played him. But I I do just kind of go. I, it makes me giggle because because I've never associated that accent with football. Yeah. So it seems like a sketch. Yeah. And and this is the thing. He's breaking ground. He's doing amazingly. 100%. You know, credit and to him. Credit to him. And, I'm, I'm you know, you can see from the fact that Leeds have become slightly more compact. Statistically, they're better. They've got um, slightly less expected goals, but they've also got a lot less expected goals against, you know, I think that if they'd have made the decision slightly earlier in the season, they're a lot safer than they are now. Um, and I look forward to hope. I, I quite like Leeds, even though some of them performed like bastards yesterday. Um, I, and I wouldn't want to relegate them. I'd much rather relegate Burnley. Um, so I hope that he stays up next season and we get to see more of him and his abilities and what he does because I do feel like the championship is made for Brexit England ma- managers and I think that he might have a tough time down there. Yeah, possibly. Um, I also think without Bamford and Phillips, I think they struggle. But that's how important they are for that team. They are they're the difference between 12th and and 19th. Like I really think they are. Um, right, let's get into the game. Uh, Tommy Asu, left back. Credit to him. Um, absolutely. And now we have a very difficult decision coming up. I think it was an obvious decision against Leeds with Rafinha on that right hand side versus you know Dan James. Um, who do we who do we want to you know mark up on? Uh, and it it was obviously Rafinha, and he he performed amazingly. And we've got a difficult decision coming to Spurs because who would we rather have him on, Son or Kulusevski? You know that's going to be a really interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how we'll set up. We've got a question about that later, so maybe let's let's cover that later. Um, I thought in this game, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm watching him and I'm thinking, apart from Cancelo and Robertson, I don't know who else I'd want in that position, mate. I I, re- I really. I think he is one of the most important players at the club. Actually, I want to do I want to do a, um, a YouTube video about him. Um, I think he is sensational. He he can invert. He can get forward. He's so aerially dominant. He is. He never gets dribbled past. He's, his jewels are excellent. It's interesting that the one the one moment he got spun uh, by Jota was the moment he came back. Only he'd been injured and he came back yeah. against Liverpool and played right back and got and spun then by Jota. Was out and then was out again the for one- months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the one moment I remember of Tommy Asu because it doesn't happen. So, do you know what I mean? It's like someone, mm. you know, it's like Henri missing a sitter. It's like, what? Like, you know, it, it just doesn't happen. I cannot believe the impact this guy has had. And considering we signed him on deadline day, he obviously wasn't like a... It was obviously a, a decision we we made late. And, you know, with for whatever reason, I, I'd love to know the decision making behind that. But I just think he could play anywhere. He's got all the principles. Mm. He's so ambipedal. He is so defensively sound. He's what is he? Twenty two, twenty three. I I think I honestly think he's one of the most underrated players in the world. I'm ser- and I'm serious. I rate him that highly. I think he. I think in the next couple of seasons, people will start thinking this guy is is one of the top defenders in world football. I I, I rate him that highly. I think I think he. I might say he's our best defender just purely because of his versatility. Uh, I would absolutely agree. Um... 
it's I think one of the reasons that we we didn't sign probably if if he was our number one target didn't sign him straight away because we had four right backs at the club and had to get a couple of them out on loan and a couple of those deals only happened kind of coming to the end of the window um I, I mean I can't I can't really improve anything that you've said on him other than you can see the drop off after you know the, the the big injuries and now how much better we are with him in the side so it's vital that we keep him fit just for the last three games of the season and you know he he is possibly one of one of the best signings Arsenal have made in the last kind of 10 years you know the at, at that price point for the level of quality I, I can't think of much better. You're starting to think about like Santi Cazorla's and like yeah. those yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. unbelievable yeah. level bargain deals that, that don't happen yeah. in the modern era. You know, no. we paid, we paid less for, like, is he, other than academy graduates, one of the cheapest right backs in the league? Yeah, possibly. Like, and I think, I think, yeah, and it's just an incredible example of scouting is what it is mm-hmm. because he gives you so many options. If you want to build in a two, he can roll around into that three in front of it or you can build in a two-two. What, what, whatever you're trying to do, whatever zone you want him in, he can sit as a three on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. He can drop ra- He can he doesn't do it much, but he can drop around into the centre of a three. I, Yeah, I, I, I can't speak highly enough of him because he is so, he's so versatile but so solid and so dependable. Um I can't believe we got him. It's it and and credit to him yesterday. I I don't know what his game by numbers was, but I'm sure it was excellent. Um, and yeah, yeah. I also something that he does as well. Um, that I'm noticing. It's another similar thing with uh, what we were talking about earlier in terms of the small details that are happening. The first moment in the game, or from one of the first um, interactions in the game that I noticed was Gabriel gets the ball and hits hits a sort of uh, ball over the top to Cedric, and it goes out of play. Camera cuts to Gabriel and he calls, he he puts his hand up and says, sorry, bad pass, basically, to Cedric. Cedric clearly doesn't see him, so he shouts. He's like, Cedric, sorry, that was a bad pass. He made sure that he knew it was a bad pass and he made sure he knew that that was a, a sighter, a kind of, look, we've got we've to sort this out. And moments like that on a football pitch... We don't know what's going on in the 11 players. We don't know the little interactions they're having. You, you see Calvin Phillips getting that piece of paper. You know, you, you, you see the, the amount of communication that must be going on that we don't know about. And I want to give credit to this team. And I think Tommy S is part of that for what feels like a real set unit, a, a unit who are want, try, trying to work together and trying to trying to speak to each other. Also orchestrated by Aaron Ramsdale. You know, Aaron Ramsdale coming in as a <laughs> a twice relegated player the character that he has to speak to those defenders, G them up when they need it, chastise them when they need it, and and sort of corral, especially that back five, is is so important for us this season. Again, a soft factor, but if you if you if you deflect every single soft factor, oh stadium doesn't matter, oh the communication doesn't matter, oh whatever, this doesn't matter. Eventually you're just ignoring a huge part of what's going on with this team. And you don't want to become united. You know, look at that, look at that back four. None of them talk to each other. Whenever one of them makes the slightest mistake, whether it's a mishit, five yard pass or whatever, the other three and some of the midfielders are reaming them out. You know, it's 
it creates an unbelievably toxic culture. And the thing to 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 really praise as well is the um the the introspectiveness and the responsibility taken to go, no, I know that was me and a bad pass. I apologize. We'll get it next time. Because the reason that clubs end up in such shit situations is certain players will go and do interviews and go, oh yeah, you know, the last three managers have picked me every game. So I'm obviously performing well enough and not looking at their own standards and not looking at themselves. And the fact that not only are we doing that, but we have the awareness to do that in game and make those adjustments just means that, again, we will just continuously improve and improve and improve and improve and improve because we're aware of the frailties and the faults because then that that's how, that is how you improve. It's, it's beautiful to see. It's beautiful to see. It's pretty funny to me how Saka is better at both left back and right wing than Junior Furpo. <laughs> how embarrassing is that to be a professional oh. football player, knowing the man you're up against is better than you at your position? It's as well as rinsing you. It's just rude. It is really rude. It's really rude. I want to talk about the structure, mate, because I thought I I was admiring it massively. Lovely four four two out of possession. Mm-hmm. Wing is nice and wide to stretch them, and I think that was partly the issue. We started to come back inside, and they could remain more compact sort of towards the end. But the um the at the beginning, especially, we were really stretching them out. Um, lovely quick combinations. The one thing that I I admire so much. Example: Gabriel's on the ball. He's angling to play it out to Martinelli on the left hand side. Watch what El Nenny does. He sees it happening and immediately starts moving before it's happened. He knows Gabriel only has two or three options. So he knows, okay, he's going to go for that option, which means I need to move back inside. That is hours and hours on the training ground doing that sort of stuff. And what it means is everyone knows where everyone's going to be. You look at the body positions, you look at the um, the uh, the rotation. These things are not, they're not players acting on a whim. These are automations and they used to look really choreographed. Remember when we used to used to talk about how stilted the game was and how sort of un, un, um, uninteresting at times it was, the sort of the build-up and the horseshoe of doom and all that sort of stuff. You look at the team now, they are working in such a way that they can understand each other. They're working as a system. It's the one brain stuff coming into play. And it is so beautiful to see. I mean, you know, there's a video of Arteta and um, Jonas Eideval talking about their um actually we talked about this midweek didn't we um talking about their principles and how they set up and Arteta talks about you know getting the team sheet of the other team and having two a couple of different plans and know what to do but something interesting he said at the end which I, I I would love to know and we both said this week we'd love to sit down with him and talk to him about you know Erdegaard when he's receiving it on his left hand side how do you want him to be positioned what why do you want him to be positioned like that is it related to the positions of the other players how do you create space or whatever? But anyway, something he talked about was the zones. And he said that there are always, this. Pr- they have principles, which I believe are the principles that I'm sort of outlining. Then we have sort of uh, a structure that we change around the team uh, that we're, we're facing, sort of evolving, whether it's building in a two or a three or having four lanes or five lanes in attack. But there's always zones that are covered. There are always specific zones that never change. And I believe those are probably the central zones. I don't know, though. This is the thing. It's so interesting. What I love about Arteta is I feel like I'm learning so much 
the way he communicates, the way he the way he speaks, and the way his teams play feels so clear. And that's clearly being translated to the players. Um, my guess is the central zones is is what he means, but I'd be interested in that and uh, interested in your thoughts on that, Bradley. I mean, I'm pretty sure Mikel listens to the podcast, so get yeah, us round for a glass of vino, and uh, and we'll have must a little do. chinwag because it's intelligent football. Like it's it's thinking man's football. It's it's beautiful. It's simple. But sometimes simplicity is incredibly difficult to achieve. It really yeah. is. It really is. And and I think that's why El Nenny is thriving in this system, because he got such a simple job. Receive it off the back line, turn and play it forward. And be there for the be there for the um for the for the wall pass and also the reason he the reason I think he used to have to pass sideways and backwards is because he sat in a two. Jacques and Nodegaard being slightly further forward in in possession means that the opposition is slightly further back tracking them it means he's got a little bit of space and time to turn. I like him as a single pivot, I really do and I think I'm not sure where Sambi ends up. I'm not saying El Nani is the perfect single pivot, but our reliance on Partey has been a real issue um when he's been out. And to have El Nenny in there, knowing that when the structure's there, he can really play. I mean, he looked like prime Busquets yesterday, mate. I mean, he was pinging it's about, balls. It's about lines. Receiving it. Unreal. It's, you know, it's about lines and um, and positions. Uh, well, positions of play, funny enough. You know, the fact that our wing-backs sit slightly further forward, the fact that it, it cuts, a, there is no option to go back yeah. most of the time, you know our entire play is focused on building forwards. So once you take that tendency out and once you rehearse that tendency out of a person, you know, it's, it's, it's clear that he has no other option because it's been drilled the way that the, the one thing that this team is and this team has achieved, especially this season is a symbiosis. They move and breathe as one. All game. You watch it. There's a couple of disjointed moments when we're under the cosh or when the nerves kick in. But this team as an 11 is almost like a fucking living organism. It's so strange, but so amazing to watch. And it's like you say with the moment with El Nenny, when he sees Gabby about to play that pass and he's already moving. Sometimes with certain players, structure builds the freedom for them to achieve their highest potential, you know? And one thing that that Wenger was amazing at was playing free football. You know, a lot of it was to do about the creativity and the the imagination of the players. But what this structure allows players like Elneny to do is achieve 30% above what they actually are as a footballer. If you were to put Elneny in a team and tell Elneny to just play and not give him instruction. There are some players, like I think Cesc Fabregas, for example, that would be that you, you that would just be one of the best footballers you've ever seen in the world. But players like El Nenny need that structure to give them the freedom to just do what they are being told to do. And that is that is the the beauty of it. And that's why these players are looking so much better than they are. That is why Cedric is even though, you know, I, I hate him when I see him on corners and I hate him when I see him fucking whipping the ball in from ridiculous angles. But this system allows him to be better than he is. The same with El Neni, the same with Enketia. You know, 
the system is the thing that is allowing these unfortunately average footballers to achieve very, very, very good things. You know, it's it's the same with, with Rob Holding at the back. It's the, like, I think that Rob Holding is a phenomenal asset to have for certain reasons, but Rob Holding looks infinitely better with the ball at his feet than a few years ago. And that's because the system, the system is starting to take all of the errors out, you know? Yeah. Well, it, and that is, yeah. It's simplicity. It's simplicity. And it's, you know, El Nani, here's your zone, drop it off, pick it up. Here's your two options. Here's your, and if you can event, great. If you can't, no worries. It's, it, you know, sticking him in an Ancelotti side where it's essentially, you know, show me what you can do, you know, and, and track your man. He'll struggle. Stick him in an Unai Emery side, he'll struggle because he doesn't know where he's playing one, one week to the next. It's clarity, simplicity. Same with Cedric, same with Holding, all these people. By the way, Holding, if you look at the, if you look at the data, he's actually a lot better than you think in terms of he's, he's um, a lot more well-rounded. Oh, mate, listen, I've always said that. I've always said that, Bobby, especially with the, with the ball at his feet, Bobby Holding is much better than people give him credit for. But he's not Ben White. He's not Gabriel. You know, he's he's st- he's definitely still not he's as Bob good Holdenio, as them. Mate. But the thing is, that's is, what he is. Yeah, but this no, no, no. But it's the system. The system allows him to perform to their capabilities and their levels. That's the beauty of it, and that's why it's so good, and and why Arteta is doing such a good job because it allows players like Bobby Holding, who are a little bit worse than the players that we have in there as our first choices. Sorry to disrespect my Lord and Savior. It allows him to perform at the same level, pretty much. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. More than you believe. More than you believe. I'm so happy. Uh, the goals. Um, Eddie Nketiah pulls his Southampton away trick against McCarthy a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get for playing a, goal, a, a centre forward who can run, mate. <laughs> that is what you get for playing a centre forward who can run. We'll have the Eddie and the Elneny contract discussions and news and views. Um, the second goal as well. Uh, it's great work from Martinelli down the left-hand side. I think he had Ailing on mm-hmm. toast. Um and Eddie's there again. And and I think something that Eddie has provided us, I mean, firstly, his hold-up play is comparable, if not better than Lacazette, in my opinion. Um, but I also think there's a... the it's, it's what we keep saying, the fact that he can run in behind, even if he doesn't choose to, that it places that moment of doubt in the defender's mind. And he's what he does well, as I said before, is he runs across defenders nicely. He's got this great, energy and attack to his play I mean he slightly falls off uh, at points I don't know whether that's a mental thing or a physical thing but for that first 45 minutes I mean he looked like the answer mate but we'll um, we'll, we'll come back to that I th- and I think also what he's offered us is you know what both of us have said on this podcast before having a, even a slight threat through the centre means that Saka and Martinelli get slightly more space so they can be more productive and then it's moments like this that happen and you know on to the second goal uh, that Martinelli cutback is the same cutback that he performed against Liverpool except from Lacazette wasn't you know panting and shaking and vibrating vigorously with the meat sweats on the halfway line you know Eddie had the legs to get into that zone and position yeah yeah no it's you're absolutely right you're absolutely right um and we looked really aggressive, even after two goals, uh, for that sort of interim period before the red card. Martinelli was like shoving Lorente to press the ball. It was, it was so nice. I, to be honest, I'm not going to lie. I was getting a bit emotional. I was like, "Fucking hell, this team, man! Like, what a turnaround!" I welled up. It was unbelievable, unbelievable. 
Um, the aiding incident. It's not much of a discussion, is there? Two, two foot. Uh, the, I think the only I mean, discussion uh, uh, is that referees need to stop uh, oh, with this dereliction of duty. No, 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 no. We, we, uh, it's, 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 it's. No, it's not even about like. I, je- I think the only reason he gives a yellow card rather than a red is because he knows that VAR's there. That's not what VAR's there for. If you think it's a red, give him a fucking red card. Like, th- don't leave it up to the person because it's so obvious. It's so fucking obvious a red card. And he's yeah. in a perfect position to see it. What we've started to see from referees is dereliction of duty where they'll give yellow cards for everything and then allow VAR to do the job for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. And it was... I think in a, in a pre-VAR age, that would have been... Straight reds. He wouldn't have... Well, I think there would have been more deliberation. I think he basically he gave the yellow, but I think he sort of knew it could go to VAR. That was my read mm-hmm. on it. I think he went, I think he went, it's definitely a yellow and let's have a look. That's what I felt. I think maybe in a pre-VAR age, we would have seen a red straight away, but I don't, who knows. Um, and he also literally apologised to Gabriel straight after, so you absolutely yeah. know that he's he's fucked it. Yeah, Rafinha was um, lost his head. So lucky, so lucky not to get sent off. He pushes the referee at one point after getting a yellow card. He's like, playing shit as well. <laughs> it was the it was the stare. Did you see him just absolutely glaring at him for like f- couple of like sort of thirty seconds after he'd given the yellow. Um, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Leeds are absolutely falling apart at that point. But yeah, as I said, credit to them, and they they began to to, to regain a bit of control. Um, Mm-hmm. And Odegaard free kick nearly foxes Melier. Um Yeah, I thought. I thought, as I say, we we a lot of the game felt on on a similar. The, the game felt as though it came into a sort of cadence or on one level. It sort of it sort of peaked and then became a sort of not a flat line, but a bit of a sort of more even wave. Um, and it, yeah, never never felt like we were going to particularly do anything. But it also never felt like Leeds were going to particularly do anything. I didn't. I just felt as though the ball we can just basically stick this out. As the game went on, though, I kept feeling mm, we need a goal here. We need a goal here, and I just felt as though there wasn't enough penetration. We started doing the thing where we just lob ball, uh, balls into the box, which I, I still, I still don't understand. I'd, I'd love to know the principle behind that because that's something that Arteta has always done. I wonder if it's a second ball thing. Maybe Eddie can be sharper with those, but I. I don't get that. And especially when a lot of Cedric's deliveries aren't that good. Um, yeah. It confuses me. It makes sense if you've got Trent or even just Tommy Asu at right back and, and Tierney at left back. But yeah. Yeah. When you have Cedric, you are, you are just tossing the ball back to them and going, have another, sh- have another go because you know, how many crosses did he attempt? I, I don't remember one connecting, not a single one. And that, and I don't remember a cross of his connecting this fucking season like let alone in the last few games mate yeah i i i think that's a little harsh like i think i think there's some balls in the box that he we he gets in and are decent but i i wouldn't say they're not they're not consistent and it, it's it's like if an average premier league player put in a load of crosses some of them would happen and some of them wouldn't and that's what's happening cedric is an average premier league player and that's what's that's what's going on so yeah, no, I, 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 I just think. Look, Cedric's good in the tight spaces, and there's some lovely combinations. There was a moment with Erdegaard on the right hand side where he, him, him and Erdegaard were just knocking it about, absolutely embarrassing them to be honest. Um, 
as I've always said, and there's some ambipedality to him. It's the first thing that Mikel brought in. Wasn't the ideal situation, similar to Pablo Mari, but we needed different profiles um, to be able to start uh, sort of putting these principles into play. He's not perfect. He's been a stopgap. He has been a stopgap this season. Looks like Aaron Hickey's coming in. I think we won't see much more of Cedric. Like I, I, I don't want to spend too much of my time getting stressed over Cedric when I, I really don't think he's going to be here that much longer, to be honest. Um, I'd either go in the summer or, or probably January, probably something like that, if, if we get in a, another um, fullback. Martinelli, just before we finish up, um, there was the, the, the Leeds goal. I didn't, you know, it was a it was a good nick on. I wish I wish someone had been um, following in on Lorente. Something to look at. I, I again, you know, it was a mistake. I don't see it as some huge. You know, it's not like corners have been some big issue for us this season. We sh- someone should have been following in at the black back post, and that's about it for me. Um, it set up a nervy end. Um, but yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't feel it was a particularly big moment in our season as as such. I want to talk about Martinelli though, just to finish up, because I I love him. I love his desire. I love his energy. I love his passion. Um, I think we're now at something like four players of 21 and under who've got 10 goals and assists. 10 goals this and assists. It's, yeah. we're, we're in a great place with these players. Area development though, his first touch, because he's so explosive, when he receives the ball, and he wants to cut back inside. I think Saka's got a slightly stronger weak foot than Martinelli does, actually, as much as he uses his left foot uh, quite a lot. And I often feel like he, the first touch stays under him a little bit too long. He never quite gets out of his feet. He's often got a defender isolated. His defender's almost like slightly to his left. And if he got the ball and immediately burst forward and got it out of his feet straight away with the first touch, he'd have so much um, space. Because I think basically they're worried about him going on the outside, and yeah, I, I, I've I've long thought his first touch just needs could could be an area where he where he becomes where it, it just could be the area where, which he, which takes him to the next level. I think mm-hmm. um, it's not bad I at think, all. It's just I think there's an area development there. There's also something to understand with Martinelli, and that is injuries have plagued his development so far. Look at the amount of minutes and games that Saka has played, and look at the amount of minutes and games that Martinelli has played. It's, it's. I'm pretty sure that there's a there's a big, big, big difference because you know of the of the large injuries sustained, and the and the long periods out, and especially at the start of the season, we preferred Smith Rowe on that left hand side. We had Abamyang on that left hand side. It was a very clogged up route for him. Uh, that this will all come with time. He is, in terms of playing time, a much younger player than Makayo Saka, who played over three and a half thousand minutes last season. You know, he's a much younger player than than Martin Erdegaard, than you know, than than lots of these players. It will come. That technical security will come with age and and with practice and with and with opportunities. You, if if you, I think if you actually look at the amount of Premier League games that he's played in the t- time he's been at Arsenal, you'd be shocked at how low it is. It's not very high, I don't think. Yeah, he, he, we were all saying, actually, I remember saying at the beginning of the season, I hope this is the season when Martinelli establishes himself as a first-team player. And obviously that was slightly blocked by Bamiyang up until a certain point. Um, and he's done that. He He's probably our first-choice left-winger, certainly at the moment is. Um, so you, you're right, it will come with time and get our minutes and stuff. Um, I just think it's an area of development and... Um, 
but yeah as you say i think it, i think he's got the ability and the desire to make it happen um i just hope he how he, many appearances a, do you think he's made he's got a burst to come um for for arsenal in the premier league in the in the premier league in the premier league 35 okay he's done more than that in 3 seasons He's got 54 appearances. Okay. And Bakayo Saka has 94. And bearing in mind that's, that is appearance, that's, that's appearances, that's appearances, that's not minutes played either. When you consider that a lot, a lot of times we were bringing on Martinelli for 10 minutes at yeah. the end of some games, but when Smithrow was starting or when Aubameyang was starting. So also look at minutes played and it's, it is chalk and cheese. Bakayo Saka has yeah. been a, a mainstay starter for two and a half seasons. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel that. I feel that. Anything else on the game, Bradley? Nothing. We'll see you after this. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. News and Views Welcome back to News and Views where we give you all the news and all your views but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts please subscribe, turn on turn on notifications, easier for me to say leave us a review and please support us on Patreon where you get access to ad-free versions of the post-game podcast, the preview podcast and TDK Shorts for just £3 a month and for one-time support head to buymeacoffee.com where you can Buy me a coffee. Anything you can give, monthly or one-off, helps the podcast. The links are in the show description. Right. Uh, David Ornstein tweeted out. uh, Where have I got it? It's here. Arsenal open talks with Elneny and target Tielemans. Uh, A number of players are expected to either arrive or depart, while three men... Uh, Lacazette, Eddie Nketiah, Amam Hamilton, and then he will exit as free agents unless new deals have been struck. There's been no indication of fresh terms for strikers Lacazette or Nketiah, though the Athletic understands Arsenal have begun talks over midfielder El Nenny and are hopeful an agreement can be found. Uh, supposedly, we're also interested in Yuri Tielemans, Ornstein saying he's our top target for the number eight role. Um, let's do the El Nenny and Nketiah thing first. I would like Elneny to sign oh. a new deal, personally. Let's do them as separate I, separate entities. Because sure, yeah. it's, yeah. 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 I, I'd like Elneny to sign a new deal. I think he's, I think he's a very useful squad player and accepts his role. And I, uh, and you don't get many like that. Rob Holding has not created a cultural issue this, this season being out. Um, I think he's only played 11 full 90s this season. He signed a new deal uh, last season, I think it was. I think he'll probably stay, you know, and, and to have those players who are reliable and who can come in and you get seven out of 10 of them, they're not the perfect player, but football is a squad game. And unless we sign 11 new squad players this summer, which isn't going to happen, um, we need to layer on top. And Elneny is not, he's not number 18 or 19. He's number 
13 or 14 in terms of you know who comes into the in, into the squad so i'm not um i'm not inclined to let him go yet and ketia i would like him to sign a deal if he accepted that he wasn't going to play every minute but that's not going to happen it's just not so i think he's going to leave um and good luck to him and maybe at some point you know i'd I, what i'd love there to be is maybe a compensation thing I think that I think if he goes to another Premier League club, there might be a compensation thing. I don't know, but if the, if there's a way we can get some kind of clause of a first refusal or something, I don't know. I doubt that's possible, but that would be amazing. We, we won't we won't get that because it's not a transfer, but we'll get a compensation fee probably around the one to two million pound mark because of his, um, especially with his Premier League offerings in the last few season in the last few games. Sorry, uh, on El Nenny, uh, I it it depends on the terms of the the agreement. If it's a year long extension. I can understand it to some degree. If it's two years and then we sell him after a year, I can, I can I can get on board with that. I just think that it's vitally important that we start to to train the understudy, and Sambi Lakonga is the understudy. I think it's clear from his his physical profile and his technical attributes and and the way he's played at um, at previous clubs and for us that he is going to be the person that hopefully if he can develop into that player take the reins from party and it's important in games where we aren't too worried about that and where we can kill people off going forward we start to get minutes into the legs of Sambi Lakonga rather than Mohamed Elneny because Mohamed Elneny it's the it is a bit of the Joe Willock situation in that Mohamed Elneny and and Eddie Nketiah I don't think are going to improve leaps and bounds going in, going forward. And I don't think have the ability to to be part of the next phase for Arsenal. I do think that with Sambi Lakonga, and it's important that we don't block those pathways. It's the same reason that I wouldn't, I would be again, very reticent to sign a left winger this, this summer because I don't want to block the pathway of Martinelli or Smith Rowe. I, I think that we have to be really careful not to sabotage uh, some like the the future of the club by by sticking with the past, um, and I think that there is definitely some room to manoeuvre when it comes to an El Neni new deal because he does accept that squad role. You know, he's played barely any football this season and has come in at a really important time for us. Uh, but with Ian Ketia, I also think it's very much a Joe Willock situation. He's hit form at the right time with the cameras on him, and he is. You said this to me. We've said this before. You give people contracts for what they are going to do, not what they are doing. Do I think that Eddie Nketiah can sustain this form across a 38-game season when we're in the Champions League? No. Do I think that this is a short burst of form that is more going to be akin to the Lingard uh, or Willock loan deals of last season where he comes in at the end, right time, fresh legs because he's not played a lot of football. So he's able to sprint that that 5% quicker and that 5% more than people who have played 30, 38 games already this season. I, I think Enketia, for him, it's time to move on, go to a lower team where he'll get 30 starts and, and really improve. I don't think there's any room for him in the squad other than being that third choice. I think that we need to get two forwards in who are better than Enketia. Uh And he won't want that. And we already have Balogun who can take up that role as a hot prospect or Martinelli who can play up front as a third choice if needed. I don't think there's room for Enketia in Arsenal's future, unfortunately. Uh, and 
But that's fine because this is the perfect storybook ending for him. He gets to go out on a high this season, hopefully get us into the Champions League and then secure himself a phenomenal contract at a Brighton, at a Palace, at somewhere that's his level where he can continue to do really, really well. With Aldeni, sure. Give me another year or two of the Egyptian king. I, I'm more than happy with that. Um, but as long as it's managed in a way where it doesn't block the path for other people. Yeah, I, the Inketia one, I think I largely agree. Um, I also think, you know, if you look at his goals this season, one's a mistake from Christensen, one's a mistake from Melier. There's a tap in. Do you know what I mean, it's not it's not as if he's like making goals on his own. He's he's in the right place at the right time, which is also a skill. Let's be clear, it's also a skill to be in the right place at the right time. It's you know a massive skill. Um, but I don't. It's like similar to the Willock thing, as you said, Newcastle. There was a lot of like nicks and sort of you know Willock's there again, sort of thing. Which he's running hot. He is running hot, and I agree. I, I think I think it is a running hot situation. We have to look at all the data. We can't just look at three or four games where he's he's as you say had uh, had fresh legs on El Nenny. And it wait, it will cost us. It wait, on Eddie as well. It will cost us a lot of money. Because yeah, he's coming hot, he's coming to the end of his contract. You're talking about you're going to have to offer him 60, 70k a week, and yeah. he's not worth it. Unfortunately, he's not worth he it. He will mate. be worth it to a he will be worth it to a Brighton or a Palace, but he's not worth it to us when he's going to be like a third option. On mm. Elneny, I think, I th- I think, mate, we have to a little bit start stop worrying about pathways because if players are good enough they will play and if they're not and if they need minutes then they can go on loan if a player is good enough they should play and if Mohamed Elneny is getting a hint in ahead of Sambi Lekonga that means Mohamed Elneny according to the coaching staff which is to be honest the only thing that really matters here is a better fit for the system at the moment and better fit for what we need to do than Sambi Lekonga and situation what do you mean? With like injuries and stuff and sit as in, you know, having, having a player who has a bit more game experience. Yeah. Yeah. But, but who has been with the side a long time when we have, when we have big, big players, like when you have big, big players out, you can't carry as many youth prospects as you once could. But mate, Chuamani, Kamavinga, these guys, like, you know, I'm not, Sambi isn't that player and he may well, he may, may well become as good as Partey, better, who knows? But we haven't got like the world's greatest midfielder who we're just blocking with Mohamed El Nenny. We've got someone who is comparable to him, who is a young player, who what is he, 22, 23, 20, oh, I don't know, around that age. And if he wants to get in the team, he's got to be good enough. He's not currently better than Mohamed El Nenny. So I think let's not let's not worry about the next three, four years. Let's worry about the next eighteen months. And okay. you know, I I I, I, I think it's similar, you know, we worry about pathways and we worry about, well, what if we sign X, Y, and Z? We've got to layer on top. We've got to stop thinking about, you know, first and second choice and backups and this sort of stuff. City don't, Liverpool don't, they don't give a fuck. They just buy better players. If they could replace, if there was a better centre-back than Van Dijk, they would get a better centre-back than Van Dijk. Let me tell you that. You know, yeah. there's, in football, if we want to be competing for the, if we don't want to be sat at the end of the season going, what could have been, then we have to be ruthless. We have to say, look, Sambi, good player it's not you know not to say it's not worked out it's not to say you've not been good it just means you haven't done been so good that we you are undroppable 
Eddie Nketiah at the moment is undroppable. So let's not drop him until he falls off. I just... I, on, I, I, the, not, on the I'm flip not, side of that, though... I'm not sat here be... saying give on any five years. I'm just saying we've got to think about the immediate future... And I don't know what the plans are for the summer. If we sign three midfielders, yeah, they get rid of Elneny. But if we're just looking to add one or two, I don't know. I'm happy to keep Elneny around. On the flip side of being ruthless, though, if we're signing another central midfielder, why do we need him? Because if party drops off, we'll have another option. Well, it depends what what we want in that position. If we sign a a left-sided eight, we're not going to... We need someone to sit in the pivot. So mm-hmm. of course, maybe it's but I think that that's that will de- that will depend on on the summer and who we do sign. But if we are signing a midfielder who can who can drop a little, I I, I don't. It, it we could easily make the same argument to be ruthless with El Nenny. We really, really yeah, could because absolutely. you know there there are still frailties and there there is still options to improve. And I, again, I would much rather let him go and sign somebody else in the summer. I really yep. would. Yeah, I'm, because I think that there is a massive improvement to be made on on the player that is Mohamed El Nenny and not the player within the system. If you get a better player than Mohamed El Nenny and Sami Lukonga, you get them in. It, like it's that simple. If there's a better player out there, you get them in. So so that's the question, isn't it? And 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 that's what we've got to sort of deal with. Uh, Tielemans, look, I I don't know enough about. I don't him, think this honest. is happening. I think this is I think this is agent talk. I don't know enough about him. I'll be honest. I, I I know that I've seen the clips of him not running back, but I've also seen the clips of him scoring absolute bangers, and that's two high leverage moments. I don't know what he's like in possession. I don't know what he's like. I don't know what he's like with the ball. I don't know anything about him. Um, I quite like the idea, considering the age profile and the sort of trajectory, but don't know. Don't know. I don't like that. I'm not sure if the profile of player would be good for us. Um, but uh, I don't think this is happening. I think this is journo talk. One thing that Arsenal have become brilliant at doing is moving very, very silently and or feeding false stories to 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 media outlets. And you know, less than less than two months ago, it was it was talked about that the asking price for Tielemans was twenty five million pounds. Now apparently, we're going to sign him for forty. I I I really I will I will happily eat my words if it happens, but I am damn near a hundred percent sure this is journo talk. Eat them, Brad. Well, they're yummy. Um, Beautiful. Final one before we go. We've got a question in from AFC Joel who says, what do you boys think our game plan for Thursday should be? I don't know whether we should match them up and do like what we did against Chelsea. I think that might be smart. I think also, and this you might hate me for this, I don't think playing for a draw would be the worst idea. No, no, not at all, mate. I'd, I'd happily take a draw. Because I back us to beat one of one of Everton and Newcastle. And if we draw with them and, and beat one of the last two, we're in. And I think that we've got to be careful not to go to full blaze against the best team in the world at transitioning. And I think that playing for a draw and giving them the football and countering them might be the most pragmatic and smart way to go about it but it's also very much a a seceding kind of way of going about it and going we don't want to lose the ground that we've made so we're gonna play negatively almost result is the most important thing if i i'm happy to sit 
with a five and do what we did against Chelsea and, and try and counter them and just not give them any any space when they get into that final third. I think that's probably the smartest way to do it. Yeah. Whether I, we will, I don't know. I just think we can make some adjustments to what we already do. I, I think the best way to ensure you don't get countered against is to have the ball. So yep. to me, I'm if, if White's available, I'm sticking our four best defenders on the pitch and I'm going White holding Gabriel and, and Tomiyasu. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably having Jacker and Elneny and I'm probably asking them to sit a little bit deeper to just stop that counter. You know, if we if we were building in a two, I'd ask us to who's build in a... Th- oh, I'd ask sorry, us- I got confused. I was like, who's playing left back? And I was like, oh, Tomiyasu. Tomiyasu could play left back. I'm an idiot. I'd, I'd ask us maybe to sit in a 3-4-3 three, three in possession. Maybe that's how it's going to look. I don't know. What I'm, what I'm interested in is, I think Spurs' third biggest scorer this season is own goals. So what we need to, we just need to stop Kane and Son. And if we stop Kane and Son, we'll be fine. So it's how do you do that? You stop them transitioning, you stop them getting the ball. So we can set up in a certain way and we can um, not give them any space. I mean, do you just get El Nenny to just mark Kane dropping? You literally just don't let him, leave him alone. I don't know. Um, there's lots of different ways. I just hope we don't, I hope, what I hope is Arteta adapts. I hope he doesn't just think, look, we've got to play our way, come hell or high water. And I think he will. I think I think he will. I think he's learned those lessons a little bit this season. Um, yeah. we just got time, Brad. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time out, a while ago now, the theme was Nicholas Bentner. And I asked you to spell Nicholas Bentner's full name. Go on, Brad. N I K L A S B E N D T N E R. Oh, you got the hard bit right. N I C K L S. It has got a C. Fuck. Nicholas. Oh, mate. So sorry. Uh, and then the theme for this week was Arsenal's previous Egyptian players. And I've discovered we've had no other Egyptian players apart from Mohamed Elneny. There you go. What about Remy Shaban? Who? Remy Shaban. He was a goalkeeper for us. I'm pretty sure he was Egyptian. Remy Shaban. How do you spell that? Yeah. Uh, R-E-M-Y-S-H-A-A-B-A-N. Oh. Swedish. Real shame. Uh, what year... Did yeah, Mohamed El Nenny sign for Arsenal? Your question for this week is: What year did Mohamed El Nenny sign for Arsenal? And a theme for next week, please, Brad. Um, I've completely forgotten to think of one. Yeah, this classic, happens classic Brad every week, move. Brad. Every episode it happens every other week. Um, <laughs> we are going to go for Eddie Nketiah. To Eddie celebrate his run of form. And Katia. Okay. Eddie and Katia. And we've just got time for a little quote from a little book of Arsenal. Arsenal Chief Executive Ivan Gazidis, March 2010. I think it is very difficult to encapsulate in any succinct way what Arsene Wenger has done for this club. His discipline and his vision are why we are in a new stadium and why we are redefining the way the game can be played. He has created. I'm pretty sure squad. you've read that on here before. He has created. No, no, I've read another bullshit one from Ivan Gazidis. I just thought this. He has created a young squad that has a tremendous future without having the resources that other teams have. 
Alex, I'm I'm nearly I'm nearly certain you've read that on here. If anyone else remembers that, please tweet in because I I am I am I am like near I am near certain that's been read out on here before because I remember laughing. Honestly, mate, I think it was another Ivan Gazidis bollocks. It's a similar kind of we're great sort of quote. I'll try and find it. I'll I'll try and find it another point. Bradley, a pleasure as always. Always, my friend. It's one beautiful, game. beautiful We're scenes. one game away from United, United, from UEFA Champions League football. Oh, it's beautiful. Come on, the Arsenal. Come We're on. actually there. We're actually there. We're so close. We're so close. Don't, no, no, no. Turn it off. Don't tempt fate. Don't tempt fate. Turn it off. Turn it off. Alex, I will leave. I will genuinely leave now. Get it off. Don't tempt it. Thanks so much for listening to the If Not Podcast. Pleasure as always. Keep it different, Knock. We'll see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.